When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's real simple, you know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Right on, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome in to the Take the North podcast presented by Odyssey. I am Dan Weeder, joined today by our friend Herb Howard of the Bigs, who is sitting in with David Haw on vacation don't forget to like the podcast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can watch each of our episodes on youtube at the 670 the score youtube page with that let's talk football practice 11 of bears training camp 2023 is in the books just a couple left before we transition into preseason game action mode at soldier field on saturday against the tennessee titans herb how's it going How's it going, Dan? I think we are officially in the dark days of summer with training camp right now. 11 practices in, still a bit of a mixed bag offensively and defensively when you factor in the injuries. But I think we learned a little bit more about this team than we did a few weeks ago. No question about it. I think you're starting to hear that in the players' voices that they're uh, eager to kind of do something different. So the arrival of that preseason game Saturday against the Titans will be welcome. And obviously next week they'll come back here for a day, take a day off, and then head down to Indianapolis for those two crossover practices, which I think will be, uh, for me anyway, really some 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 telling days and nights actually because they're going to be practicing at night down in Indy. But but you expect the intensity to ratchet up down there and to go against a different opponent and, and measure things up that way will be, I think, illuminating for us to see exactly where this team is on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think that'll tell us a lot about some of this defensive lineman on this on this front in terms of going up against some of the elite players that they have. You talk about Quentin Nelson and some of those other guys. I think that's going to be a really good test to just see how they hold up uh, against another team and, and what that looks like. I think they also have the tape coming to the Tennessee game to kind of evaluate themselves from that as well and then go out to Indy and, and put that on against those guys for a couple of days. So I think some really, really important days coming up for them over the next, you know, 10 days or so where they can figure the, figure a lot out about themselves. So we got a lot to get to in this episode. We have not had a podcast episode since the Bears completed the signing of Yannick Ngakwe last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the defense as a whole, which has had some really bright moments throughout camp and has also uh, been dealing with a little bit of the injury bug. We'll get into the arrival of Mercedes Lewis, a veteran tight end who's come in uh, on the offensive side of the ball to be a leader. And, and Herb, you're going to be a, a special guest contributor to one of our favorite segments on the show at the very end. Uh what you're talking about, man, is uh, is is one of the uh, one of the better. Or what you're doing, man. I'm sorry, I, I went I went different strokes there for a second. But what you're doing, man, courtesy of Zach Pickens, <laughs> we'll let you we'll let you chime in on that one in a little bit. But let's start before we get to all that. Uh, light practice out here at House Hall on Tuesday. Uh, red 
was the color code that we've yeah. been given, which is one of those uh, low intensity, non-padded practices that we went through. But there's still some uh, significant 11 on 11 work today, a little bit up and down for the first team offense. Uh, what were your overall impressions, both with with the way the Bears finished practice and that end of game drill and how they, they uh, managed through a, a backed up drill that we watched side by side from the, uh, the bleachers on the on the east side of campus here today? Yeah, I know that a lot of these, you know, kind of ramp up practices can be a little bit hard to not as entertaining as some of the other practices. But I do think that the team get a lot out of it in terms of install, in terms of the mental reps, understanding exactly what they're doing. And then they play, they do a lot of things situationally. Talk about red zone, talk about being back up four minute, two minute, all those types of things. And I thought they got some pretty good work done when they got to that point where they went, where they take the ball from the 50. Uh, there yeah. was about uh, 55 seconds left. They had the ball at the 50 tie yeah. game, and they were trying to get themselves in this position. Started off real bad. We heard Cole Komet talk about that. He caught a nice ball over the middle, but he was so wide open, and it turned <laughs> out because he ended up getting offensive pass interference. He had thrown the defender to the ground, and so they got them backed up a little bit, lose 10 yards there, and they ended up getting a sack a couple of plays later. So they were behind the chains, and they kind of scrambled just to get themselves back within field goal range, ultimately setting Cairo up for a 50-yard field goal uh, with just like .6 seconds left on the yeah. I think when Justin was able to clock it. So uh, not not the best run um, uh, situation there, but ultimately they did what they needed to do and, and pull it out. So I think that's kind of where they are right now. And like not a real well-oiled machine, but uh, functioning well enough to succeed if, if, if they shoot themselves in the foot too bad. So ideally you like to see them be able to go down the end zone or at least set up a chip shot field going out a 50 yarder but ultimately they got it done and so I, I think that's so far that's where they are right now until they can get you know just a little bit more high functioning they're going to struggle through some of those things i think it's a pretty accurate description of where they are at this moment uh you, you know you get that opportunity to kick the field goal in part because Justin converts third and 17 with a bullet over the middle to Tyler Scott in what might've been his best nice. throw of the day, just a really decisive yeah. throw, uh, you know, into a tight window to a, to a receiver who ran his right route properly. And then you get the completion to DJ Moore, and then you got to scramble. You got to get up to that line of scrimmage because you mentioned it 0.6 seconds were on the clock when they were finally able to clock it. If you're even a, you know, another five cents, tenths of a second off, all of a sudden the clocks run out and everyone goes, well, you just blew that opportunity to win the game. And so it's these little details that they're ironing out. I was encouraged to hear Richard Hightower talk after practice about just how in sync the coaching staff is in those moments, because Matt Eberflus, yeah. true to his reputation from the day he got here, is so well prepared and such a good communicator that he gets all facets, you know, the, the, Hightower talked about being on the headset with Luke Getze and, and Eberflus and Harry Freed, their uh, director of research and analysis, and just working through these things even before the position begins to to get themselves organized in a way that allows you to get a, a ball clocked with 0.6 seconds and send your kicker out there and potentially win a game. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned Komet. He talked afterwards about, you know, that that's it. That's what the NFL comes down to. It's every little half second counts, every little detail counts. And then Cole kind of came back after that to say, well, yeah, you know, obviously we're encouraged by practice, but we've got to do this stuff in a game because we all understand how many times last year we had the ball with the game on the line and weren't able to get it done. And so I think that this offense is is eager to make this progress in practice so that they can then test it in the regular season in games. There are so many things that can go wrong in that situation. There are so many moving parts, and you got to be prepared for it before it happens. And so the fact that Coach Iberflus is always over-communicating, they're always getting prepared 
for these things. Everybody knows who's going. That's the part of it, right? Sometimes you get guys confused and you get one extra guy on the field. They can't afford a penalty right now. Sometimes you get up to the line of scrimmage. Guys just kind of in that angst. They jump. They get a little false start. Now you got a 10-second runoff. They didn't have another timeout there. So, so many things have to go right. And I like the way that Justin handled it. Got everybody up to the line of scrimmage. He was kind of peeking to make everybody was set. And then got that thing clocked. I see the pride that he had as he as he kind of got that thing clocked and said, okay, we're giving our kicker a chance. And so I do like the way that they were able to salvage it, but you would like for them to not be salvaging that situation. You guys had 55 seconds. You had a timeout. You're at midfield. That should be an easier situation for you guys to make a couple of completions, get out of bounds, kill it, use your timeout, whatever you got to do, and set up an easier field goal opportunity for yourselves. But ultimately, like we said, they were able to save it because they are well prepared and they know exactly what to do. Coach Hightower even talked about how uh, the, the players on the field exit and the players come into the field. So all those types of things really, really matter in those situations. They executed it well. Uh, they can execute the first three plays before it will be better. Hopefully, it doesn't come down to that. Can you imagine how much we'd be ripping them in a regular season game if they, oh, no they lose a game with an opportunity like that? No doubt. And you, you throw everybody be, and balance. You flus, needed the yardage. Fields, everybody. Yeah. Oh man, it'll it'll be it'll be yeah, it will be ugly. And that is a, a hurdle that the Bears have to clear this year. They have to get themselves ready to to win in game on the line situations. And so I like the fact that they're practicing them a lot. They're able to correct some of their mistakes. Ideally you get that 28 yard completion without the offensive pass interference penalty to Cole Komet. Now all of a sudden you're just running the football and draining the clock and getting ready to kick that thing through the uprights. But that's just the way it goes here. And I think, you know, consistent with most of Justin's camp here, this was practice number 11. You have some really, really nice moments. And then you have some moments where you you go, man, like it's just not there yet. Justin's picked off an 11 on 11 work on a deep shot that he took. Uh, to Darnell Mooney and Tyreek Stevenson played it perfectly, read it perfectly, and then used yeah. his ball skills to intercept it. Maybe more worrisome to me uh, than any than that than that turnover was was one of those uh, catch the snap and throw it quickly outside passes to Darnell Mooney in eleven on eleven work where, where Justin was just, he just threw it too fast and too wide and and it was an incompletion on one of these things that should be an easy completion and it's those uh, quick catch and throw simple situations that he's going to have to master to take the next step in his development as a quarterback and when you see a couple of those things you go man yeah this is not uh, the point where we should be escalating the conversations on is Justin Fields going to be Jalen Hurts of 2022 and 2023? Let's try to get him to be functional in these these basic situations so that he can kind of climb those stairs to eventually having that conversation. Yeah, I know you were saying about a week ago that everybody's talking about the hype and, you know, MVP caliber ready and all those types of things. And that may be true. It's like you said, it's about eight away from where he is right now, where he finished last season for sure. And so I think, that, you know, you try to get some of these things, you talk about missing that that catch and throw, that's basically just an extension of your run game, right? That's yeah. not even really something that's supposed to be complicated. That's just something to keep you ahead of chains. Mooney can easily pick up six or seven, or if he slips one, he could take it and make it a big play. But you got to get that ball out. You got to be on time. It's got to be active. That should be pitch and catch for those two guys at this point. See them missing those are things a little bit discouraging it's still early but those are things they want to be able to iron out right now some people were talking about being frustrated about the lack of deep shots and what's going on there i'm not worried about justin's deep ball i think he's shown enough that he can throw a pretty good deep ball but can you stay ahead of the chains can you make the easy throws can you hook up on those slants on those digs on those outs we've seen him do it sometimes throughout camp but consistently be able to do those things that keep you ahead of the chains that keep drives going and ultimately put points on the board 
And ultimately, that's not a play that anybody's ever going to see on social media because no one's going to clip the the incompletion on a swing pass to the left sideline. Just as they're not going to, you know, we, we were joking up in the bleachers that the Tyreek Stevenson interception, we'll see the interception. The Chicago Bears will put that out on their social media page uh, later yeah. Tuesday night, and it'll be like, great catch by the rookie. We'll see the ball come like down and him pick it, right? <laughs> yeah, you won't know who threw it, right? Like So so these are the things that kind of balance out the, the, the judgment of Justin and where he's at. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, let's switch sides of the ball now because I think there is a lot to talk about on the defensive side. And particularly now that they've checked that box with Unique Ngakwe coming in on a one-year deal, a $10.5 million contract that Ryan Poles was very patient in executing. And now he gets himself a, an established pass rusher. In my opinion, this gives you a guy that, that gives you reliable production. It's not guesswork production. You don't say, if A, B, and C go right, well, maybe he could do this. You say, this guy has been in the league for seven years. He's had at least eight sacks every year. We understand how how explosive he can be. We understand that he's got this this kind of underrated power for the size of his frame. And now all of a sudden we get to plug that in. And for all the conversations we had from mid-March through early August, had the Bears been able to sign Unique Ngakwe to a one-year $10.5 million deal back in April, say, well, all of a sudden the, the angst would have come down. And so now all it is is a matter of, of Unique getting to understand what his responsibilities are here, getting himself up to speed. Look, we saw in 2018, Khalil Mack set out the entire offseason, wasn't practicing with anybody, showed up on Labor Day weekend, and next thing you knew, he was dominating a football Destroyed game. Destroyed the Packers. <laughs> six days later, yeah, down, down, down in Lambeau. And so um, it'll be interesting to watch Ngakwe kind of assimilate into this defense, but I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on on just what that does, I guess, for both for Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams and being able to take a little bit of a, a deep breath and go, man, okay, we finally have someone that we know uh, is proven. Yeah, I mean, they've said all the right things about the guys having their room, but what are they going to do? they got to coach the guys that are there, but you know they wanted somebody a proven pass rush. You had DeMarcus Walker coming over and putting the expectations on him. He had his career best season last year with seven, right? Now you got a guy who hasn't had less than eight in seven seasons, and so now anytime you improve your room from the top down, that's what you want to do, and they were able to do that with their receiver room. They've done it with their edge rushers. They did it with their linebackers. Those are the types of things that you want to be able to do, improve these rooms from the top down, because then those those players become multipliers, and they help, help everybody else kind of be the best versions of themselves. It's one thing to say, okay, DeMarcus Walker is going to be our guy, but is he really going to be that? But if you got somebody opposite him that's commanding double teams on a regular basis, then maybe DeMarcus Walker can be that guy. You free him up. You free up Justin Jones and those guys on the inside. All those things kind of go together. And so uh, bringing him in should be huge, but not only for the front four, right? It should be huge for the guys on the back end. Eddie Jackson talked about the ability to make those quarterbacks get the ball out just a little bit quicker, not sit back there and pat the ball. Those are the types of things that you want to be able to see. And so uh, bringing him should be a, a huge upgrade uh, for this 
for this roster on paper, also on the field. Yeah, Matt Eberflus talks all the time about four as one and rushing the quarterback where you've got a front four that can play off one another. And when one guy's got multiple uh, offensive linemen or, or, or offensive players tending to him, well, it should free up a matchup for somebody else. And so just having that, to your point, now gives somebody potentially on the interior a one-on-one matchup that they can win or an opportunity to, to have more space in there. Um, and so it's going to be fascinating to, to see how that kind of puzzle comes together. And Gakwe has been knocked in some circles for not necessarily being the, uh, a top to your run defender, but everyone here in this building uh, seems to believe that, that that's something that he's going to function very well at. You know, Unique himself said, you watch, you know, this season, you'll see right. what I do. And then Alan Williams said, look, like that, that's something that's certainly in his skill set, and we're looking forward to bringing out of it. And Matt Eberflus says, yeah, he's going to be a three-down defensive end for us. And so so here, here you go. You know, here's your opportunity uh, to show everybody what it's about. Uh, I do think it's interesting, obviously, Ngakwe has been in the league for seven years. The Bears will be his sixth team. You know, he, he has a, his first run uh, with the Jaguars, and then it's to Minnesota, it's to Baltimore, it's to Vegas, it's to Indy, and now it's to Chicago. Uh, and that's a, a, a securitous route for a guy who has been consistently productive. And it, there, you don't get a lot of um, – consistent answers on why he's had to change scenery so often. Uh, but we did get a chance last week to talk to Unique and just asked him for, for his own kind of take on being consistently productive for as long as he's been productive. Here's what he had to say last week. My faith, you know, I'm a big believer in God. And uh, the more the more you believe in him, a lot of good things happen. And I feel like uh, he's been, he's kept me healthy, you know, and then also just being a part of some great defenses. We all had a common goal, you know, and that was to get to the quarterback. So you hear there, Herb, you've got a guy that, that, that <laughs> believes strongly in his faith uh, and believes strongly in his work ethic. And that's one of the things that the Bears uh, were able to check and had inside intel, uh, both from Rod Marinelli, who is a mentor to Matt Eberflus, and from Travis Smith, who's a defensive line coach here. Uh, you've got a guy that, that has a reputation for, for busting his tail at practice. That's something they love to see. Certainly that will fit in with, with Matt's required uh, you know, effort-based hits principle uh, philosophy here. We'll see how, how Unique assimilates quickly to that. Yeah, I think having people who have that firsthand knowledge and being able to have that inside information on the type of player that he is, that answers those questions for you about, you know, why he's been bouncing around. I think he's just had a set of unique circumstances that's kind of led him to be kind of bounced around that way. But um, you talk about, you know, his production. You can't argue that now. They think he's a, a, a three-down performer, and his, his his statistics will bear that out in terms of he's played 70% of the defense snaps over the course of his career. So he's it's not like he's not out there on rundowns. Now, whether or not he's been productive and effective that's another conversation but he's he's out there he's going to be out there again so hopefully he's able to set that edge we heard coach Alan Williams use the phrase he can you know chop a guy in the throat and it's like well I guess I, guess I understand what that means right like, but he said he's going to choke him out right like he said he's going to choke him out right 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 he, he, he can choke a guy out and it's like Okay, so, you know, we'll see if he's able to, you know, hold that point uh, on the edge and and be a factor in the run game. Certainly they'll they'll need him to do that because you got to earn the right to rush the passer. So they got to be able to stop the run first. He's got to be a factor in that situation, but they got some versatile guys that should be able to help as well. I'm hopeful next week we get an opportunity to, to perhaps talk to Colts defense coordinator Gus Bradley, who was with Unique a year ago. He was also with him in Las Vegas, and he was also with him when he started his career in Jacksonville. And so that's a guy that, that obviously has belief in him to, to, to uh, coach him in three different stops and, and be able to bring something out of him. And so that would be really interesting. Uh, when you look at the defense as a whole, I think there have been some days out here through 11 practices where you feel the defense. And I love when that feeling gets 
going on the practice field. The most significant day clearly was a week ago Wednesday when the defense dominated yeah. that day. You know, whether it was the second yeah. unit, the first unit, whatever it was, they were making plays and then they were talking about the plays they were making. And then they were talking about how they were talking about the plays that they were making. And so you got that <laughs> you got that edge that started to build. And it, it's just like it's really fun to feel. And I know I've been a broken record here for two weeks talking about Jaquan Brisker and the passion he's brought to the table when he's been playing at a high level. You feel Eddie Jackson as a, a veteran setting that tone. I know the guys here believe strongly in Demarcus Walker. He's been hurt uh, for the last stretch here and hasn't been able to participate. But you've got now an opportunity to, to string together not only a defense that is is playing collectively and playing with energy, but then you you, you get that edge that we're talking about. And I'm curious what, what you felt over 11 practices so far. Well, you can definitely feel the energy. The, the energy that the defense brings, they bring that juice every single day. It's contagious. They make one play. They get excited about it. You even got their assistant coach, Overstreet. He's leading the charge on that thing. Every time they make a play, he's sprinting 70 yards down the field to go celebrate with them. And so you, it's it's infectious for that defense. And what it does for them, I think it has a bit of a snowball effect. And so they make one good play, and then they, they start to believe they're going to make the next play. And all those guys are naturally like that. You talk about Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon settling to his role in the nickel. He's performing really, really well there. I think he's going to have a huge year only solely focusing on that nickel position so they're all flying around they're making these plays you got those two instinctive linebackers in the middle of the field and that thing just kind of snowballs and, and it kind of takes um its effect on the offense and so i think i love the energy that they bring they got to continue to bring that thing they're going to need it on the field i think this could be a very very fun defense to watch they still got to iron out some kinks they got some injury concerns right now you certainly want to get those guys back on the field so they can continue to develop that chemistry but if they're all on the field uh, and playing a lot of snaps together, I think they could be really good and they could be a fun defense to watch because of the energy that they bring. You use the word infectious. I agree with that. I would also say it's natural. It's not manufactured. There's, it's just it's natural, for these no. guys, it, it, it's very organic and it, and, it, and it's just, it's a vibe and it gets going. And so Eddie Jackson on Friday uh, had a lot to say about what he's feeling. And, and to Eddie's credit, he's self-aware enough to understand that there's been many years here <laughs> inside the building at Hellas Hall where he's promised a new feel and a new look for a defense. And then he has to promise the same thing the next year. So he admitted that, you know, I've said this before, but here's a, a whole bunch of Eddie Jackson and just commenting on, on the, the positive feelings he has based on the way things are functioning right now during training camp. So you, you know, iron sharpen iron. You know, we just, on, on the defense side, there's a lot of guys that bring a lot of the juice, a lot of guys that's going to talk, that's going to, you know, get riled up. Offense, you know, is we're just trying to get that going for them. You know, um, they got more silent assassins. You know, they got guys that go out there and they do it what they play. But, you know, we just, we just want to keep bringing that energy and juice to practice every day just to get them fired up. Eddie, for you to be part of a defense that has that juice again, I know that's like right up your alley. How, how do you feel about the way that is kind of building now? I feel good, man. Like, I, you know, I don't want to sit up here and sound like a broken record, but like it's fired up out there right now, man. It's like it's intense. Everyone's flying around. Like, guys are locked in. Like, it's it's a whole different, you know, mindset compared to last year. You know, like you guys see it, you know, if y'all out there watching, like it's – like we we on fire, man. Like we really flying around. Like we really getting it. You know, no one's complaining. Everyone's locked in, buying into it, and every got everybody's trying to get better. Everyone's competing. No one's complaining. So when you got that, I feel like it's always headed in the right direction. 
There was a play in 11 on 11. I think it was after. It was like a small little scuffle. But like you weren't even in like on the next series, but you were still drawn back at the mm-hmm. guy. I mean, does that is that like something to show the younger defenders like kind of juice them up too? Yeah, ju- like, yeah, everyone get juiced up. You know, if you're a young guy, older guy, you know, I mean, you can go out there. You can be fired up. You don't got to hide it. You know, come out here, be who you are. You know, um, and it's just, you know, that chirping. I know it, it seems like it's. It's something personal, but it's not personal. You know, it's just the brain and competitive, uh, the competitiveness out of everyone. Um, like I said, we flying around. You know, we high energy. We got a lot of high energy guys. Everyone's just feeding off each other right now and just want to keep elevating this thing until, you know, week one. So, Herb, I, I, I've got a reputation for two things. Number one, I love juice. So much so that a year ago no. when I was co- coaching nine-year-old baseball, I gave out juice stickers after every game to the guys that brought the juice. They're little helmet stickers that they put on with a little picture That's of juice on it. So, oh. so you know, I get t- I get made fun of here in the media room for 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 being anybody. Anytime anyone mentions juice, I sit up at attention and I'm I'm into the juice. The other thing I have a reputation for is loving to talk to Eddie Jackson because Eddie has a, a, a demeanor about him and a mannerism about him that, that uh, to your, to your word earlier, it's infectious and you feel like let's go, you know, and you hear the, 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 the genuine enthusiasm that he has in that soundbite and you go, well, this is one of the leaders. This is one of the guys who has been here when it has been humming, you know, 2018, right. I, 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 I get goosebumps right now. I got him on my arm thinking back to that Sunday night game against the Rams yeah. and the fact that those guys walked into the stadium that night without an offense and knew they were going to walk out of there with a victory because they had that same juice and playmaking ability and swagger. Now, listen, like this group currently, they need to be healthy. And they need, you know, all these guys to play at full strength to, to even come close to matching what the talent level was of that 2018 defense. But you start to see it moving in the right direction. And damn, like that's that's a cool feeling to have. And particularly when you hear it from from Eddie's voice, it, it, it comes across as very sincere. It comes across as very sincere. You believe him. You feel his energy when he's talking that way. And you can only imagine what it's like to be in the huddle with him in the locker room with him when he's talking that way and how those other guys kind of take on his personality. And you can see it. It just all kind of swells over. And you see all of these guys performing that way. And he talked about defensively in terms of how they continue to pick out the offense. He said, we're going to continue pointing at that bear until that bear fights back. We need them to have that kind of fire. And the previous week, I think it was Valus Jones kind of came across the middle and kind of short-armed the ball as he saw Jalen Johnson coming his way. And the in entire defense seemingly came off the sideline and were in his face. They calling them soft, all kind of stuff. But that's how they are. Like that, that's how they are. I and mean, the next week, you finally see the offense kind of fight back. Eddie Jackson gives Chase Claypool that shot on the sideline. Everybody's heard about it. And Chase Claypool throws all stars. That's couple there. But it created this um, physicality in practice where you saw the offense begin to push back. You saw Khalil Herbert drop on Jalen Johnson. You saw Roche Tucker guy keep going. Those are the types of things this offense is going to have to do. And I think good on this defense pushing them to respond that way because they're going to need to play complementary football. Like you said, this defense isn't quite ready to say, oh, we've got the Khalil Max and the Kane Hicks and all pro Eddie Jackson. And, you know, they, they're not quite there yet. Um, and so they're going to need this offense to be a little bit more complementary. And so, you know, getting them to play is important, but you got to love that leadership project. This is this is why I'm really excited for the indie trip. And again, it's only two night practices in the middle of August, but I think it's going to give you an opportunity to see how they use this edge against an opponent and how the opponent pushes back and, and what that looks like. It has an opportunity to be uh, high intensity, as I said, and we've seen these crossover practices get, uh, you know, you want them to be, a, a, as the coaches here will tell you, competitive but not combative. And so we'll see where right. that goes because that'll be fun to watch. Uh, 
injury wise, you start to scratch your head a little bit because here we are at practice 11 and Tremaine Edmonds is out. Uh, he's been out really for a week now uh, with an undisclosed injury. You got Brisker and Gordon sitting out. You got the Marcus Walker still out. Um, Eddie Jackson was away for personal reasons today, but all of a sudden you, you start to watch that defense play at half strength and you go, man, this just isn't as exciting. You know, I, I want to see Tremaine out there. No. I want to see Jaquan out there. I want to see Kyler out there. And so it, it, it raises the, the the concerns that we've had for a long time is, is this roster fortified enough to have enough quality depth where if you are playing without two or three of these guys at a time, you can still function at that high level. That's a question I can't answer yet. And it's one you certainly don't want to be trying to answer in early August. Hopefully the bears are being conservative with all these different physical ailments. They won't give us a single detail on any of them. So we have no idea what any of these guys are dealing with to, to even play the guessing game on how quickly they'll be back. But man, you just don't want to be anywhere near week one on your schedule, wondering who might be available, who might not be, and what is the depth ultimately going to look like? Yeah, Dan, you might not be able to answer that question, but I can. They do not want to have those guys on the field. They don't have that kind of depth, right? They've, they've improved their frontline talent. Some of the guys we talked about in terms of, you know, improving the roster from the top down, they have better frontline talent. This isn't a roster yet that can go two, three deep at some of these positions. You talk about Eddie Jackson to being out. Now you're getting into a safety situation that doesn't look really good. Some of the things that we see from Elijah Hicks. But then you have the DHC to come in there, a veteran guy that can be a pretty good stop guy for you, that knows his assignment, that can be a leader out there. You're in a bad position if some of these guys really start to go down. You talk about Tremaine. That's the difference maker that he is in the middle of that defense. Not having him out there changes the entire look of that defense. The ball in terms of what he's able to bring to that defense. So they need to be at full strength with all these guys kind of playing together, continuing to build that that, that chemistry and that cohesiveness that he had going with T.J. Edwards. That's important. They need these guys out on the field as much as possible. And I know that Flutes is saying, hey, you know, if it's a serious thing, we'll let you know. Well, define a serious thing because your captain in the middle of your defense has been out for a week. So define serious for me because I don't know that we see that the same way. Now, sure, it's August, it's early. You know, they got time. I'm I'm not super concerned, but at what point do you become super concerned? Because if this thing creep, he's obviously, most of those guys, obviously, in my opinion, are going to play Saturday against Tennessee, yeah, that, that doesn't seem to be realistic. And so then right. you start to look at what they can do for you next week in Indy. And then soon after that, you're starting to look at Green Bay coming to town. And so how soon can you get these guys back on the field? And then they got to go through their ramp-up periods, right, where you can, they're getting a couple plays here, a couple plays there. They got to get back in pads. All these things got to happen. And so you start to look at the clock and say, all right, well, you can start getting these guys back healthy and in pads if this defense is going to be truly ready to roll when the Packers pull up to Soldier Field on the yeah, serious to me is if you get up in your coaches' meetings and you say, hey, is Tremaine Edmonds 100% certain to be ready for the season opener against Green Bay? And if the answer is no, then it's serious, right? If there's any question at all on whether his availability for week one uh, is is certain or not, then then you've got an issue that you've got to sort through. And, and we'll continue to, to, to keep tabs on that. And hopefully we do get to see this Bears defense play at full strength and do get to see them kind of build and generate the momentum that we just talked about because it's got an opportunity to be uh, one of those fun steps back toward the right direction that the Bears want to go in, particularly after a year ago where that 10-game losing streak to end the year was defined by a defense that couldn't stop anyone, didn't stop anybody, and won't stop anybody. But to your point again today, like, you know, you're missing Brisker and Eddie Jackson on the back end, and now you're you're going with Elijah Hicks and Adrian Colbert running with the, 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 the number one defense. 
you're not going to want to do that, you know, multiple weeks during the season. So we'll see where it goes. All right, a couple last things before we get out of here. Mercedes Lewis joins the Bears. Unlike Yannick Ngakwe, he's been in the league uh, for 17 years and been with two teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were teammates in Jacksonville. uh, And then the Green Bay Packers. And so he comes over, uh, has a reputation as being a a reliable mentor to Robert Tunyon, comes in with Ryan Poles talking about how much he can bring to this team as a leader and a veteran that can show the way to young players that want to do things. Things. And then uh, we'll see which direction it goes from there. But but Mercedes came in and, and he was asked on uh, on Saturday, Herb, uh, what was his motivation to keep playing into an 18th season, which isn't something a lot of guys do. Remember, Justin Fields, I think, was seven years old on the night Mercedes Lewis was drafted <laughs> to play in the National Football League. Here's what Mercedes wow. had to say. Man, I, I still love it. Uh, I still love the game. And, it, and it's one of those things where, you know, if – if I were to stop playing this game, it would be mentally first because physically, um, you know, that's going to be there. It's, it's when your mind just checks out, right, and your body normally just follows that. Uh, but mentally, I'm still at a place to where I still feel like I can help a team win ball games and ultimately try to win a championship. And so if I still have that feeling and, um, you know, there's still opportunity out there for me to uh, – you know, showcase my talent, why not? And, uh, yeah, I mean, part of it, too, is showing people that it can be done, you know? Uh, Just being able to have the singular focus um, to go out there and and be your personal best uh, every single day. And for me, that's, you know, this is part of my purpose. Like, I was born to do this. And uh, I'm not going to disrespect the gift by still being able to do it and, and not being here. So I'm just grateful for the opportunity, uh, looking forward to being able uh, to add value to the building and uh, and do what I love to do. That's an awesome end answer there. Just a guy who appreciates the, the gift he's been given, not just as a football player, but as a guy that can bring people along and doesn't take a day of it for granted. I loved hearing that because I think that's a, a great type of thing to put into your culture. Uh, he was awesome to, to talk to. He was awesome to hear his perspective. He was just refreshing to talk to as a as a as a veteran player who doesn't walk into those conferences and think it's a much bigger deal than it is. We can have a natural conversation. You can ask me a question, give you a legitimate answer, and it was just refreshing to hear that from a veteran of of his stature and just the way he went about addressing those things. So that was refreshing. But also, you hear Robert Tanya say, "Hey, what'd you learn from Mercedes Lewis? Where in your in your five years with him?" Everything. I know like yeah. literally everything, everything beyond how to tie my cleats, that dude taught me, right? And so and, and then you and then he walks in with that presence and you're like, Oh, I, I believe you. He I believe he taught you everything that you know because he seems like that kind of guy and he understands, you know, uh the privilege that it is to be in the league and, and how blessed he is to still be able to do it and how he takes care of his body. He referenced, you know, how LeBron has taken care of his body over all those years. And so I think he's got the right perspective. He certainly has the the skins on the wall, if you will, to be a good leader for this team. They've got two really good young tight ends uh on this roster already. And I think he's gonna be a great mentor for them, but not just, you know, somebody come in here and just like, hey, be a mentor type of guy for you he's going to be able to help these guys in the run game his his ability to run block and he can still slip out and catch a ball for you down the goal line because you think he's coming to run block and then you let him slip out the flat or something something like that so i think he's going to be able to pay some dividends for this team off the field certainly but also on the field 
he was one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite teammates of all time in Green Bay. And I asked Tanya about that. Even before Mercedes Lewis signed here, we had a conversation off to the side about, about what Mercedes Lewis meant to the Packers and what he meant to Aaron. And, and Tanya just said it looked like Aaron and Mercedes are old school guys. You know, they're from a, a, a younger era, even though they're both still playing in the league. They're attached to that, that era that started in the mid-2000s. And, and they just they know what the grind was back then compared to how it was now. And I think it, there was a respect factor there uh, that Aaron thought was, was super super valuable to the younger Packer players to, to help show them the way, you know, and it's good to have multiple guys in the building that can do that. So it'll be cool to kind of watch that unfold. Uh, Cole Komet, I think has been really cool and talking about how um, he's always appreciated that his rookie year came with Jimmy Graham at his side, you know, and, and he, he was blessed to have mm-hmm. a, a future hall of famer to help show him the way. Well, now uh, he understands that not everybody comes into this league with that luxury and Mercedes Lewis can come in and it's not just the tight ends. It's other guys in that offensive room that can learn, from the big dog. That's what Aaron Rodgers always called him, the big dog. And so yeah. uh, it is now yeah. a rule on the Take the North podcast and at the Chicago Tribune that we will only refer to him as the big dog. So you uh, subscribe the to that rule and then get, the, get that locked in. Um, all right. One last thing before we get out of here. I teased this at the start. Uh, we have a segment here on the Take the North podcast called What You Doing, Man, in honor of that quote from Zach Pickens back in the spring. And what you doing, man? There it is. There it is. It's usually it's oper- our opportunity to, to find somebody, somebody in our orbit, Typically, someone that that may be a media member, and ask them, ask them what studs we ask them. What you doing, man? So, Herb, I thought this was appropriate to kind of give you the microphone uh, for this one because I'm searching through Twitter earlier this week, and I see you in a conversation uh, regarding your Chase Claypool meter, which you can explain here in a minute. And you're in a back and forth with Greg Braggs from CHGO, fan in the stands, Greg yeah. Braggs, who, who is a, a good dude and, and, and puts in a lot of work and uh, is certainly not shy about sharing his Bears' opinions. But you guys have a difference yeah. of opinion uh, on, on the type of camp Chase Claypool is having. And where I thought this was appropriate is when you called him Mr. Mayor of Meatball Island, because I thought that was a good title <laughs> for a uh, for a community that we often acknowledge, but we hadn't named. So Mr. Mayor of Meatball Island is under the under the gun here and you can take it away from here. Yeah, I think I think Mr. Mayor of Meatball Island is lying to his constituents. That's that's really all it is to it. He's out here and he's saying, listen, Chase Claypool is dominating camp. He's out. And I was like, he's dominating camp. Like who, who, where? Camp? Like he's not dominating camp. I have a Chase Claypool meter that I've been tracking ever since training camp started. And it's a simple evaluation of my belief that he's going to be a major contributor in this offense this year and every day. And I think, listen, I think that Chase Claypool has been a very pleasant story throughout camp. I think it's on a pretty good camp, I think he's shown that he can potentially be a major contributor to his offense. They need him to be. That being said, he's not dominating anything. He's performing well. He's catching the balls that he should. He's a full participant, 11 straight practices. You got to love that as well. But dominating, you're just lying. You're just lying. It's this meatball stuff that y'all do. And because you know your meatball followers are going to eat it up because they want to believe that too. But it's just not true. Stop lying to these people just because you know that's what they want to hear i like brags but that's just not true so so you know now it's your honor to say the 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 phrase here and then i'll give my thoughts on it so give it to him brad what are you doing <laughs> what you doing, what are man? You doing? <laughs> what you doing, man? So I, I will tell you this: that the the line for the buffet at Meatball Island never goes away. It's an endless line that streams around the block, and Meatball Island is always serving up 
the meatball takes. And I think it has become very difficult in the, the current environment to kind of separate some of the meatball takes from the realities that are happening on the field. And so one of the reasons I gravitated to that tweet is it's like, you know, what is the definition of dominating camp? I'm with you. I think Chase Claypool has had an encouraging camp. I think for a guy who was on PUP two days before the veterans reported, the fact that he's been in all 11 practices and hasn't had a a single day of a a physical setback is a step in the right direction. I think the fact that he's using his physicality in one-on-ones and seven-on-seven and eleven-on-eleven and showing you some of the things that he's capable of athletically, that's a step in the right direction. I think his growing rapport with Justin is is notable and undeniable. It's a step in the right direction. But let's chill out with the dominating thing because now you're setting up people for the idea that he's going to catch 75 balls and score eight touchdowns and maybe have an 1,100-yard season, and that's just not reality. And I, I think I get this reputation a lot as, as being a wet blanket, quote-unquote wet blanket or a downer, when all I really want to do is just put an electric fence around reality so that we don't create this, this false outside – um, belief that player X, Y, or Z is is achieving to level A, B, and C when it's not rooted in what we're actually watching with our own eyes. And so um, it's it's become much more difficult in this era where, where people that don't oh. even show up to training camp every day are tweeting out reports from training camp. You know, that that's that there, there, there's a several accounts of, of people that it's like, here's what happened at training camp today based on the videos that I aggregated while I sat at my computer. It's getting it's getting pretty bad. It's getting pretty bad. You're getting those reports. It's like it, it it's fine, right? Two things can be true. He can be having an encouraging camp. It's solid, like you said. He's using this physicality. I like the fire that he showed in having a fight with Eddie Jackson. The competitive <laughs> edge. I, I like I like all of those things. That, that that's fine. He's been here. That's really really good. I started this camp at 51 percent. Right now, as we see here today, I'm 73 percent on my Chase Claypool meter in terms of my belief that he'll be a major contributor in this offense. But it started at 51 percent because. It's it, it's and it's been known the height and length. So people are like they want ten percent bumps in a, in a day. It's like no, he's getting two percent bumps here. He's gotten a three percent bump here. You know, but just just consistently no dips, right? over the eleven. Nah, eleven nah, days consistently dip, over right? the eleven days. He's just had nice incremental growth, and that's what you want to see from him right now. Just being a full participant, running the routes. He's starting to develop that chemistry with Justin. So I've gone from fifty one percent. I was really just at fifty fifty. I just wanted to lean more towards the positive than negative. So I started at fifty one percent because. Obviously, came over here last year in a tough situation, didn't get much done, got hurt, really didn't uh, get acclimated to the offense, didn't really ingratiate himself uh, to his teammates or anything like that. Now he comes in this year, and so and he missed all the spring ball. He goes on putt right before camp, gets off of it. How could I be more than 51%? But then he comes on, and he's been steadily improving. So you got to like the trend and the direction that he's headed. And I definitely say arrow up, but dominating, what you doing, man? Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> my motto for the 2023 bears would be what you just said. Nice incremental growth, right? Let, let, let's see that consistently. And then we, we can adjust our expectations as we go. We don't need to get crazy out of the gates. We can adjust it as we go. And I think they're moving in the right direction right now. And for a lot of the reasons we just talked about on this episode, again, we've got two more practices before we go to soldier field for a preseason game. We're going to hear from Matt Eberflus on Wednesday and hopefully get a little clearer picture of how he plans to use his starters, at least the healthy ones on Saturday against the Tennessee Titans, and then we'll go from there. And we'll, we'll keep moving through this preseason, keep moving through this month of August, and we'll get closer and closer to what is going to be a very anticipated showdown against the Green Bay Packers on September 10th. Anything else you got as we uh, as we close it up today? 
Incremental growth. Let's go, man. Incremental growth. Let's keep guys healthy. Let's get guys back out on the field. Continue to develop that chemistry. Continue to take those steps forward uh, offensively and defensively. I think, like you said, we can adjust, adjust the, the expectations as we go. But let's just you know keep everything in its proper perspective as they continue to uh, improve this roster and this team and this performance on the field. I'll make it clear. All love to Greg Braggs, as Eddie Jackson said earlier. I know the chippiness sounds personal. No it's not personal. We're just trying to have a fun, competitive experience out here. So that's all. Shout it is. out that's to you, power. Mr. Mayor. There you go. Mayor of Meatball Island. You can continue to run that land for as long as you need to. Uh, Herb Howard, great talking to you as always. I'm Dan Wiederer. Remember, again, to like and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we'll have more episodes of Take the North as the week goes on. And again, game week here, preseason game number one, Saturday, Soldier Field against the Tennessee Titans at noon. That's Herb Howard. I'm Dan Wiederer for our producer, Adam Stanzinski. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.